Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And this is Side Note. A podcast where every episode we chat about life and what's stumping us right now. And then we research and splice in all the science and mind-blowing shiznit throughout so you are entertained while simultaneously learning. Today we're talking about liberals versus conservatives. Greg's going to tell a funny story about the first protest he ever went to. And then I'm going to talk about the first time I ever went to a shooting range in Canada. And then we're going to have a debate. But because Greg and I are obviously both sort of liberal, our perspective will be, is it better to call people out or call people in? And one small side note before we begin is that this episode was recorded before the midterm elections. Hello. Hi. Uh, how um, you doing? I, ugh, I'm I okay. Sick. Something crappy happened to me on the way to the office because it's raining outside. And you know when some cars are so polite and some are not. And one truck, a truck of all things, drove by me right through a puddle and ugh. full splashed. Full, 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 full splash. <laughs> that full splash. And I wanted to throw my umbrella because, you know, like, oh, I'm so smart. I'm wearing, I have an umbrella. I'm protecting my head. And then this jerk truck just barrels through when everyone else was taking their time because they knew it would splash the pedestrians. What, what street was there a truck on? The, like, not like a truck, just like a oh, like pickup a, truck. A pickup truck. Yeah, oh. like a, I was like, wow, we li- like your walk here does not involve a highway. I was no. picturing like an 18 wheel. So that's the mood I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I just feel sick. I honestly feel sick. It's happening. It's coming. And here we go. Hashtag the winter. Comment So before we get to our official comment of the day, I just wanted to say thank you all so much for your horror film suggestions. There were a ton on Instagram and Twitter. I realized I still haven't seen the new It movie that a bunch of people were suggesting. And one of my favorite directors, Xavier Dolan, says it's like so good. Yeah. So like it's apparently actually it has good good ratings. I remember when it came out being like, oh, I need to see this. So that's what I want to see. And I haven't ever seen Insidious. Have you? No. Okay. So those one are that's two not that on here that everyone was talking about was Hereditary too. There's a oh, lot of yeah. good ones out now. Okay, I'm excited for those. So, what is our comment of the day, Greg? Okay, so this comment comes from at Mellow Studies. Into that name. Ooh, when I so study, studious. I want to be mellow. Um, it says, "Hi, I've been a fan of listening to Hashtag Side Note Podcast. Oh my god, thank you <laughs> since episode one, and would like to thank you guys for hosting such a wonderful show. Also, wanted to point out that the Thai word for sleep paralysis you mentioned should actually be pronounced P um." And I think I had said like fium or something, and they said that H's in these words are usually science. Uh, silent, not science. Wow. That's <laughs> oh nice. my god, I, I feel like my brain is just like shutting off. Sigh. 
hopefully you're saying it right this time. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, that's good to know because I don't. Oh god, I get so stressed when I have to pronounce other yeah. languages. Even sometimes when I have to like say something in another accent, you know what I mean? You're just like, do I say Melbourne or do I say like Melbourne? Oh yeah, Melbourne. Oh, what did we learn this week? So what I learned this week, I don't know. I'm obsessed with this information. Okay. Oh, that's so, <laughs> so it has to do with the 7R gene, which is a gene that we've talked about in a video before because Mitch and I actually took a compatibility test, like a physiological one. And they talk a lot about this gene. It's a gene that involves uh, dopamine regulation. And in general, if you have the 7R gene, you're more likely to take risks. You're novelty seeking. So I think I can't remember. I think in both of us, I think I had a higher 7R gene. I thought neither of us had it. Oh, we both yeah. were like guessing and then yeah. we were like, we think we both have it. And then neither I of us thought did. I and had we were both it. like, oh, I guess that makes sense. We're kind of chill. Yeah, I realized like <laughs> I'm actually, yeah, like I like to think I'm risky, but I'm <laughs> really not. Uh, anyway, so this gene is very predominant in the Americas. And an interesting way to think about it is because a lot anyone who had to to get to this part of the world at some point had to take a risk. Mm. So when it comes to colonization, if it was like British people, like they still were novelty seeking and risk taking in order to like go across the ocean mm -hmm. to this like new, their, yeah. yeah, Canada or whatever. But also indigenous people, the people who again have been on this part of the world, we are in North America a lot longer than for example, I have and my ancestors, they would have had to come through Alaska. That's one of the main theories. So take a risk then too. So the highest prevalence of 7R gene in the world is in a tribe of indigenous people who are the furthest South in South America. Therefore the people who had to literally to take the most, the North, yeah, all take the, the most the risks and go the furthest. Wow. So it's like really interesting because it also bleeds into our culture. Like American, North, South in general are individualistic. We are the types of people who, because we have higher levels of these genes, mm. it's like we're, we kind of like actually represent that in our culture. Whereas mm -hmm. people in like Eastern Asia and other places, they're not as individualistic. Yeah, they have literally more family oriented. Yeah, they're less not, risky. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like they're actually create societies that are less like capitalism, like me first, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, I love that. That's crazy. I know. That's I, I, so ugh. interesting. I think it's so interesting. It's so crazy to think of how many weird things exist like that. That That's just one gene. Yeah. Because like the many culture of America is shaped yeah. by biology. Ugh. Anyways, yeah. so freaking cool. <sighs> um, mine's not nearly as widespread, but it's still pretty interesting. Um, so I found out that fire alarms that use the sound of a mother's voice are way more effective than tone fire alarms or oh just like God. the regular <laughs> beeping. So they found... so. Maternal voices woke up 86 to 91% of kids, uh, whereas tones only woke up 53% of kids. This was tested on kids who are like between 5 and 12. It was like hundreds of kids. Are there fire alarms where you record, your I mom guess records? They, I, or, uh, I don't know if they just made those in this, ca in this case, realizing like they should actually do that. Uh, oh my God, yeah. is the mom like, fire! Yeah, probably fire! like, you have to get up, get up. And it was like... The median time to wake up with the regular fire alarm was 156 seconds. Uh, and what? for the mother's voice, it was two seconds. Oh, my god! Isn't that crazy? So how kids instantly react to, like, their mother's voice. It's just, I thought that was really cool. That is so smart. And uh, it's like, we should change all yeah, fire alarms Google to, Home like, yelling voices. Nest. Like, come on, I get think, on that. I think some of those do talk. Like, I think our fire alarm goes, like, fire alarm and but like it has to be your mother's voice i think story time story time story time story time so today's topic we are talking about the very on everyone's mind at all times these days liberals versus conservatives mm -hmm. so when i think about this i think about you know myself where i fall in this spectrum and a story that might have to do with that and so i was raised by extremely liberal parents i think that's like 
it, so obvious to me at like a young, <laughs> at a very young age. I remember No Logo, a very famous like li- the liberal book, was like put on my bed by my parents. Like you must read this. Really? Like I was very yeah. Like I was just gonna say it's so interesting because I actually have no memories of politics thoughts until much later in my life. Like, like your parents never. Yeah, just weren't that. Poli- yeah. If they were politically engaged, I wasn't aware. Yeah, and they well they aren't even really now. I would say like compared to my yeah, parents like, now. They, I mean they out. vote, but they just don't like talk, talk about, about it that it. much. Yeah, yet. but your fa- your kids do though. You, you like my you kids. Do? Your siblings <laughs> yeah, picked up yeah, on yeah, it for sure. But whereas I was like, it was very instilled, and so I remember. This is going to be a little bit of a history lesson for people on Ontario and teaching. So before starting ASAP Science, I was a high school teacher. It's always been my dream to be a high school teacher. Like, I guess I, I'm a teacher now. But <laughs> in my head, I'm like, I do wish I was in the classroom sometimes. I love children. Anyways. But so Mike Harris was a premier of Ontario who, when you say that word, it like garners like anger within me because my parents were like, <laughs> Mike Harris is evil. Okay. Oh so he was God. a conservative premier who really tried to vilify teachers in a specific bill called Bill 160, which if you were in Ontario at the time, you would definitely remember this time. 1997, kids got three weeks off school because the oh, teachers yeah. protested. Like, okay. Do you like remember that? Strikes. Yeah. And just being like, cool, school's canceled That's for a bit. so funny. When that was happening, I was like, poli- like literally politically motivated. <laughs> I was like, this is so interesting. My mom, my mom and dad were like, you are baking cookies. We are bringing them to the teachers because we are showing support. Oh my gosh. So what he was trying to do was really pull so much funding out of the education system. There was like something leaked at the time that actually showed like he was going to give a bonus to the administr- the person in charge of education okay. if they pulled out $667 million oh from education. God. And it was trying to take away- Is that away- the number? $667 yeah. Yeah. Million? million? Was like what his- No, he wanted to take okay. away a lot wow. more than that, but that was just like an email they found okay. or something. And he also really wanted to take away power from teachers. And he wanted to make it so that you didn't have to have a teaching degree to teach certain courses. And he just essentially was really showing that he thought teachers were like spoiled like Mm. he was trying to take away the power from them and i remember like taking time off school before we got our time off when they striked and going downtown like with signs and protesting like with my parents like they pulled me out of school to protest just to like the government buildings or whatever yeah down at queen's park who sarah polly one of my favorite actresses uh famously got like literally lost teeth in that protest. Well, like but, from getting punched? Yeah, like I was reading her Ooh. Wikipedia page and it was like in this protest that she lost teeth. She must have been at the forefront. Whoa. I was not violent. <laughs> My parents weren't like, now go fight for us. Like I remember just holding a sign, but I loved it. It actually like, I think it was such an important educational moment for me. And I got so into like activism at this young age. And I remember also at this similar time, cause you know, I'm a kid and not a, like you said, other kids aren't like, this is a super cool thing to be doing. You're they're unaware, yeah. They're not, or they're not like, they are thinking we get three weeks off of school. They don't want teachers to go back to, like, you know what I mean? They're like, and I remember I was really like motivated, like thinking about how like the Gap treated children badly to make their clothes. And like, I would refuse to go into the Gap and all these things. Wow, good for you. And once I like went up to this guy named Jason Peart's shirt in this time of sort of activism and my parents like teaching me this. And I like looked at his, he was cool, by the way. Like I was intimidated by him and I don't know how I had the audacity to do this, but I looked at his tag and it said like made in like Bangladesh or something. And I was like, and it was the gap. And I was like, your shirt is from the gap and therefore is child labor. And then he just punched me <gasps> in the face. What? Like it was like one of these, like, cause he was just like, don't touch me. Right. Also, you're not like, cool. Like you can't just like, oh my like vilify God. me. And it was like, I just remember it was like right before everyone was going I've to I've never been class. punched in the face. I yeah. Believe you have. And it was really like striking to me. Cause it was like, I think I was maybe doing it as a joke or just, all of a sudden, ev- we were lined up. Everyone 
was leaving to go to, you know, they'd line kids up before they go to mm-hmm. class. Mm-hmm. I was at the back of the line. Everyone was leaving. And I kind of just stood there as he just like walked away. And I was like, I just got like punched. <laughs> oh like I don't God. really do. And it kind of was one of those weird, when I think about being liberal and being conservative moments where it kind of hit me, like you can't just yell at people maybe. Or like, right. I don't know. It was just like really stark memory. Cause I was like, this is the right it's thing to do. With you, Activism. Yeah, like- and I literally like just, tried to put my opinion on someone and he just punched me and it was like i know i hadn't really necessarily been punched like that before and i kind of just went to gym class and like absorbed it and was just like okay maybe i shouldn't just like i wonder if that person remembers i don't think so i don't remember again like kids are also so reactive sometimes right he might have just been annoyed that you were that kid you know he was cool like he was like not that cool people are violent when they're young but like he definitely i don't think he was like a tough kid yeah and i don't i wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't remember because i don't think it really affected him that much his reaction was like i punched this kid hmm. it was yeah anyways it was like i when i think about that time i'm like it was confusing but i was like trying to figure out where i stood you definitely are liberal. just like sarah Polly. <laughs> <laughs> like you were both punched at really important moments that is like <laughs> honestly the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me and i'm glad i hope she's listening and i hope she's like good job girl. yeah <laughs> she inspired you yeah, she did inspire me in many ways. If you're listening, Sarah, I love you. Listening to Greg's stories as a young activist had me wanting to highlight other protests, both new and old. Let's go to Poland in October 2016. Thousands of Polish women went on strike to oppose the proposed legislation for a total ban on abortion. The women modeled their strike on the successful strike for women's rights in Iceland in 1975. They refused to attend school, work, or participate in domestic chores. Approximately 98,000 protesters showed up to decry the new bill. And in a few days, lawmakers voted the bill down. The next protest I want to highlight is the Salt March in India 1930. During this time, India was under British rule and there were many laws about what citizens could and could not do. For example, Britain's Salt Act of 1882 prohibited Indians from collecting or selling salt, a staple in their diet. So citizens were forced to buy from the British, and there was also a heavy tax on the salt, making it very unaffordable. So Gandhi, you know Gandhi, figured that by defying the Salt Act, it would be a simple way for Indians to break British law non-violently. In 1930, he led a march of 240 miles to the coastal town on the Arabian Sea. By the time he reached the sea, 10,000 people had joined him in a march to make salt. Civil disobedience broke out all across India, soon involving millions of Indians, and British authorities arrested more than 60,000 people, Gandhi included. Many considered the Salt March in 1930 as a catalyst that caused a large number of Indians to join in the fight for sovereignty. India won its independence in August 1947. Next, let's look at Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter began in 2013 in protest of police gun violence of unarmed black suspects. Protests grew in 2014 after the shooting of 18-year-old Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. Though police shootings continue to happen and arrests of officers remain rare, Black Lives Matter has sparked a national conversation about racial bias and the use of excessive force by the police. But what makes a movement a success? And when has enough time passed to assess whether something has had an influence? 
For example, in 1971, the U.S. made a historic visit to China, and in a conversation between U.S. official Henry Kissinger and Chinese Party leader Zhu Enlai, Kissinger asked what he thought about the French Revolution. Enlai famously replied, "It is too early to say." The French Revolution was nearly 200 years prior to their meeting. Some argue that this response may have been a mistranslation, but what Allay may have been suggesting is we have to take the long view. How we measure things might not fall into discrete boxes of success and failure. Your story actually made me think of the only time I've actually been political when I was little, and this is so embarrassing. But when people started saying that like Santa Claus wasn't real, I remember being so upset and starting a group that was all about people who like believed in Santa and like fighting for it around the playground. That's not my story. Wait, what you <laughs> made a group to be like Santa? Yeah, Claus I was like, is if you real? don't believe in Santa, then you're you're not allowed to play with us. And this is the people who all believe in Santa. Oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> anyway, that's not my story. My story is a little bit more like somber and intense. So, I, if you don't know this about Canada, Alberta is a little bit like the conservative part of Canada, right? Like in some ways, people call it like the America of Canada. Not that everyone there、I、is conservative. I feel like that's like yeah. I feel like and when you say that, I'm like, no, it's not right to say that, but it's true. People, people say, say that. People、yeah. say that, and that's、yeah. that's been my impression of it growing、There's、up. It, it's、oil. often voided very conservative compared to like many other provinces. So I don't think it's、the、that controversial. It's like this very. Like huge、mm-hmm. oil business there from the tar sands, which are horrible for the environment. Right, and anyways, the,、uh, so I a few years ago had never been to Calgary, and Calgary is a big city, so it's also like progressive, and I think、yeah. they have like a, a really progressive, progressive mayor. mayor. But I went there and was like meeting up with some friends、uh, for the first time, and was kind of nervous because I was like going to be in Alberta, like this. It's like also like a very like cowboy country kind of like place, right? It was during Calgary Stampede, so it's when there's like lots of people like that.、Um, But when I was there,、uh, everyone I was with wanted to go to a shooting range, and I've never been to a shooting range, and I've always told myself like I don't really want to. Like I'm kind of afraid of guns in the first place. Like I don't really believe in the idea of gun ownership. Like obviously, as a Canadian from Ontario, like people, I'm sure there are people who own guns, but it's just not in my vicinity at all. Gun culture is. Very minimal, and it's invisible、here. to me.、Yeah. I'm sure there are plenty of people in in the country who like maybe hunt for sport or things like that, but it's just like I've literally never seen a gun. In, in general,、public. it's like sort of like that's not like that's weird, but you're like, wow, there's a gun in the room. Wow. Oh like, yeah, like if、deal. I see a gun. So so we go to this place. I'm like, okay, I'll go. Like I'm with all these people. I don't want to be like the party. Wait,、pooper. what do you mean this place? A shoot, a shooting range, right?、Uh. So I've never been to one. So you walk in, and it's literally just like a giant room at first of like guns. Everywhere with like bullets all over the place, and these people are more than happy to like tell you about them. And we 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 are told like, okay, you guys want to go to the shooting range? You're gonna have to go to this back room and like do this tutorial and stuff, and be shown how to like hold the gun properly and all this. What kind of guns? So I don't know if you can choose for the shooting range. As far as I remember, like what we would be shooting was just like a pistol. But the oh, just a pistol. But like in. In the place, there's like giant rifles. There's like I don't know if there's like sniper rifles, but there's people shooting and it's so loud. Like I never occurred to me how loud a gun can actually be because I've never been beside one getting shot.、Um, oh my god!、Yes. And yeah, it's like literally like hearing like. Bang! So loud, thinking like I feel like I'm in a war zone. So like I'm already set off, and like my brain's running in、so、a way that pay, you have to pay. Obviously, for yeah,、this? you pay. I don't remember. If I paid, to、I'm、be honest, curious, I, like, I don't know、much? if maybe somebody had coordinated it for us of、okay. that group,、um, so I honestly forget.、Um, 
Oh yeah. To be honest, okay. Another part of this is that it was with a bunch of like people from Big Brother. I actually think we were going for free. We got it. You were on Big Brother. Okay, but Mitch. I think oh it was like God, I think they were like, episode. oh, if you guys like tweeted or show it on your uh, Instagram, yeah. then you can go for <laughs> That's free. The thing. Big Brother people like are good at that. You're not as good. Yeah. At that, but they'll be like, if they're and at a I was also like, I'm not Instagramming a gun place. Oh my God. So that I can go here for free. Like, oh my God, yeah. so we go. <laughs> like, I was like, I'll pay. But we go and do the tutorial, and they're like showing us how to use the gun. And I'm already terrified because there's like pistols in the room, or like the man's holding a pistol and showing us whatever. Um, but then once we went into the area, you get like filtered into an area where you actually shoot. Like, he was demonstrating how to shoot it and just from that moment i was actually like i can't do this like i feel sick to my stomach i honestly feel like every imagery of what a gun can do like rushed into my head that liberal snowflake stereotype honestly yeah because everyone else was like oh my god feel the power and i actually i had to i had to leave called me i I remember not knowing what to say because you were like literally like, i was crying. crying yeah i yeah. was like having a breakdown because I, I, I left the whole building walked down the street there was like nothing really around and you were but... like these people are sick because <laughs> <laughs> it was such a visceral reaction for me that i was like when i don't know if you've ever felt this greg but like or if you've ever heard a gun go off beside you and not just a pistol but then there's also like these intense intense guns that you're like why does anyone want to shoot this like yeah gun no i've honestly can say that i've never yeah. uh, and it's really scary and i know that's like a wimp maybe a wimpy thing because i'm also just not like i've never no it's them. not a wimpy thing but That's yeah like i never felt like i thought i was gonna throw up i thought i was like it and i was just picturing people like who would Ugh. be literally traumatized being here who have been in war zones who like don't have the privilege to just be beside a gun for fun honestly um, our alabama listeners are laughing at us for yeah, sure no, it's right true. now like, like the, it's like so interesting to me because it's like i know that americans it's just probably, such a different upbringing and you you're so used to it i think like i know you're talking about canadians but it's like, and yeah, obviously you can go to a shooting range and still feel like, I don't know, p- power or whatever, like shooting a gun. But really, when I think about America and their gun issues, it is important for anyone American listening to know that I, we think it's, cra- it's crazy. It's crazy. That you like have attached yourself to a, this as if it's like culture. It's so, it's just so weird. Because mm-hmm. I know Americans, like it differs from state to state. Yeah. But the fact that it can be a, like a part of your culture is so weird. There's obviously people like Canada in Canada who do that. But like, right. I've never seen as a, a gun. More mass cultural. Yeah. People yeah, like, who are even not gun fans in America still understand, I think more than us, like the culture of just like accepting. And there may be more, if you, so if you are super into guns or hunting, you're maybe a little bit like shyer about it in Canada. Cause you know, it actually comes with negative connotations in general. Mm-hmm. Whereas like in other places. And I think in Canada, it's less like the right to bear arms and more like I have a hobby that is hunting. Yeah. Right. Like I don't think that may be. And even then, don't guns. you feel like people who have hobbies in hunting, like they then try and like justify it. Yeah. And they're also like, I'm not carrying this to protect myself. Yeah. They're like, I want to shoot a quail. <laughs> yeah. But also remember when we went, to Las Vegas and there's so many ads like for shooting ranges where you literally like shoot like targets that are people mm-hmm. and it's so weird and they have ads like, be like Osama Bin Laden yeah face. and yeah. I remember like seeing bus ads like walking down the Vegas strip and seeing a bus ad like advertising a shooting range and literally having like kind of a feeling like what you were just mentioning where I'm like I need to get on a plane and get the hell yeah. out of this like desert. I don't want to support like this. why am I in the <laughs> middle of desert where there's no water with all these freaking hotels like this place is like disgusting but those visceral reactions would come a lot of the time when I would see ads for like shooting ranges but with like semi-automatic but oh good lord anyway, above. all to say that i find guns like actually terrifying and it was i wasn't able to overcome it it actually like scared me too much 
When it comes to liberals and conservatives, few subjects can be as polarizing as firearms, and specifically gun control. In a country like the United States, where according to the Gun Violence Archive, mass shootings are experienced almost on a daily basis, pushing for stricter access to firearms seems like an obvious strategy. But what are the reasons why guns become so prevalent in a society to begin with? A big factor in guns becoming, you know, part of our whole country and nation is obviously culture. If you grow up immersed in a culture where gun ownership is the norm or even praised, this is of course going to influence your personal attitudes towards guns. Countries with high levels of gun ownership like the United States are Switzerland, which I found really surprising, Serbia, and Yemen. These places have deeply established gun cultures. So much like the latest iPhone or like the newest Lady Gaga song that dropped or like a pair of Jordans or a Rolex, right? Like firearms become for some people as like a status symbol or like something in culture that you talk about. Within gun cultures, having more or better guns affords one like a higher status. I've never really thought about it this way, but it's like guns for some people is like fashion for others. <laughs> Furthermore, in most gun cultures, firearms are also seen as a symbol of power, which regrettably often plays into notions of masculinity. So though gun culture in Yemen, for example, revolves in part around the ritual of celebratory fire, owning a gun or a firearm is also seen as a symbol of like manhood and leadership. And in the United States, over 60% of gun owners are male. Men are more likely to tie their identities to their guns, whether it's via hunting, watching gun-related television, or as Mitch experienced, going to shooting ranges. And this is something that just living in our society is sort of easy to see. When we think of guns, we do think of men, and we do think of masculinity. When it comes to seeing guns as a source of protection, which is another reason why culturally guns become popular, an integral factor is how deeply the populace trusts the state. If people are less likely to believe that their government is willing and capable of protecting them, then they're more likely to turn to their own gun ownership to achieve a sense of safety. In Serbia, the Public Policy Research Center found that 70% of Serbs felt safe in their homeland, but not because they believed that their country's security, their government, their institutions were sound, but they collectively had more faith in themselves and their neighbors, and interestingly, how would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Serbia is a place with a very strong gun culture. And we can see this dynamic in the United States, right? We hear about this all the time. We read about it. Conservatives distrust their governmental institutions, and they are more likely to be more fear-based in the way that they have an outlook of their lives. Therefore, this fear and this distrust in the government means gun ownership is more prevalent among those with right-wing views. And as fears and resentments against racial outgroups, immigrants, and all these issues continue to swell, people will feel that they have more need to protect themselves against these in many cases, not realistic fears of the outside world. When we look at liberals, 26% of them are against allowing concealed and carry laws. That's like at this laws in the states that allow you to like have guns on you. Whereas over 70% of conservatives would be on board. They want conceal and carry. They want people to be able to have their guns. And so having the culture of guns be a thing is a liberal versus conservative issue. And there are many factors, including culture, masculinity, fear of the government, that all play into whether or not a country is interested in having guns. So after the break, we are going to have a debate about when it comes to this liberal and conservative sort of side of things, is it better to call people out or to call people in? We'll explain it more after the break, but that's going to be the context of how we argue today. All right, so it's time for us to debate, but this debate's a little more nuanced because obviously both Greg and I are liberal people. But we, we still have, do yeah, argue a lot. We do argue a lot, but the way we've decided to sort of pose this so it can apply to, I think, anyone's sensibility in terms of like uh, changing people's opinions about politics is whether or not it's better to call people out or call them in. And by calling in, we mean like, well, we'll kind of talk a little bit more about it, but not just like yelling at them for being wrong, but finding a way to teach them a little more, be a little bit more sensitive and slow with it, I think, is the way we've positioned it, right? Yeah, and we talk about this a lot. Like, I actually think we do... Yeah, and so so that it doesn't sound... Like, we obviously have a mesh of opinions here. We're going to stand for each side, and then we'll open up this debate. But I'm going to be debating for calling in, and Greg is going to be debating for calling out. Okay, and you're going to go first this week? Sure. Debate time. Okay, well, i first like to start by asking you, Greg, you don't have to answer right now, but when's the last time you changed somebody's opinion by calling them out? I feel like it's really, really rare because when people get called out, they get really defensive and they're not in the mindset, I think, to change their opinion. I want to start and clarify, I'm never in this argument defending anyone in the world who's like super obnoxious or I'm not defending Nazis. I'm not defending people who are homophobic or transphobic. I'm talking more about people who are sensible people and aren't pure evil, okay? So, science shows that you can't change people's opinions with facts. You can't just yell at them. You can't just tell them what they did wrong. You have to appeal to their emotions uh, and figure out what they want. And so, vaccines is a really good example. If you can find a way to connect with someone and say, like, hey, you're afraid of vaccines because you care about your kids. I also care about kids and my kids. Here's like a place we can relate. That's a nice way of calling somebody in instead of saying you're dumb because vaccines save lives. Um, Calling out often comes from a place of ego and reaction, whereas calling in is more of a place of service. Like think of someone like 
President Barack Obama, or we're going to call him President forever. Um, he was all about, you know, steering the ship one bit at a time. You have to understand that everyone comes from a different place, and it's really hard, I think, one minute. to expect people to go from you know, a mentality of 1950s to 2018 in seconds. Um, of course, all this only really matters if both people are willing to cooperate in good faith. Um, but I honestly think that calling in requires a lot more compassion and patience. I think at the end of the day, like calling out is a good way to rally your own support. But if you want to change people's opinions, I think you have to call them in. Otherwise, what Donald Trump is doing is calling people out and all it's doing is serving is riling up his own base as opposed to ever reaching over to like the more liberal side of the agenda or whatever and calling them in to say here's how we can work together uh there's two 15 seconds oh god no okay i'll uh, uh there's okay a 2016 study showed that door-to-door canvassing leading to 10-minute conversations could substantially reduce transphobia it was effective regardless of the person or of the canvasser themselves was cis or trans and uh there's been a lot of techniques developed around this so that's all and my debate that calling in is better. <laughs> that was really disjointed at the end. I'm sorry. No, that was good though. Honestly, I, I have more like, points that we can. I was, I was like, you spooked me a little bit. You I was just me. debating in my head whether I should have more of a conversation about some of my points I wanted to bring up. So I'll end there. Uh, I'll let you get prepared for your call. Yeah, no, actually, debate. no. That was oh, I don't know. Hey, hey, I'm spooked. I'm All right, spooked. so I Greg, don't even know. I'm sick. I'm sick. <laughs> I'm feeling sick. So Greg, you think that. People, or your debate is that you we should be calling people out. Are you ready to go? Yes. Okay. So I think silence on any sort of subject is always going to give a lot more power to the oppressor. And I think I'm going to start with like a personal anecdote. And I calling out is so important because the people who are being victimized in these situations are the ones who have to feel the pain and the burden and the uncomfort when you get for example, personally, someone someone says something homophobic to me. It really can scare me. Like recently, we were on the bus, and that guy, remember, he randomly was like, "Stay mm-hmm. away from me. I'm not gay." And we immediately fell silent. Mm-hmm. I would have loved if someone could have stood up for me because in those moments when you're being attacked, you are the one who has to take on all the discomfort. And if you don't say anything and allow the other people to feel uncomfortable, it's literally not fair, and things aren't going to change. It happened again with me the other day when we were I was at a comedy open mic. And people made fun of me in like this weird way and like kind of attacked me for being feminine. And I was silent. And it's because in those moments when you're being attacked, it's so hard to come up with what to say because you're feeling all of those feelings that if no one is there to call those people out, sometimes you can't do it for yourself. I would also, when it comes to someone like Donald Trump, we don't know him. We can't call him in. He needs to be called out publicly because a lot of the times the people in power aren't actually people you can have a literally have a conversation with. Oh, whoops. You only have 40 seconds left. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> and it works. Think about Roseanne Barr, Megyn Kelly. These people have been taken away from their positions of power because of the way that they acted that was racist. And I don't think people need to be allowed to be in those positions of power if they act in those specific ways. And I think it's also found that it can, studies show, increase confidence. When women confront sexism themselves, they actually feel more comfortable, uh, sorry, more confident. 20 seconds. And comfortable. being comfortable is the thing that I think is the most important. People who are doing the oppressing need to feel uncomfortable because they are making other people feel uncomfortable. And Barack Obama, our president forever, also is someone who, you're right, I think the only thing I look back on, I'm like, maybe he needed to call people out more because, again, he was taken advantage of if you think of, like, the Supreme Court. Done. Okay. Okay. Woo! Okay. There's still a lot to obviously talk. I think we both are just like, there's so many things to talk about. Um, I want to address one of your points. 
and it's not that I don't I don't actually disagree with it. So I think like this conversation is so nuanced. And but we you di- like so have you changed? Because there was a time in our lives where you we would argue about this a lot. Because I would really call people out, and you would be like, "Greg, it's the wrong thing." Because to do. I think it's contextual. So that's what I want to say. Like I obviously believe in calling people in, but I think some of the examples you gave are really good examples of when it's appropriate to call people out. And that's why it's like this debate is kind of a a front for like I believe we should have nuanced conversations about things and it's not one or the other like that bus situation you're exactly right when someone's but literally in a moment of oppression they other people should call those people out and I think calling out is especially effective when the person is in a position of mass power and can set an example for many other people so but, what is like that's why but I'm, like, I think, I'm I think the problem like, is that we, we definitely do live in a call out culture right like it's really fun to get the pitchforks online especially and like see these people who do stupid things and then make them blow up as viral videos and shame them and, and in some ways I think that's important when we see awful things we should show the public like this is not and right and the public's only going to care about people who are in power they're not going to care about that's not random. true there's always random people all over the internet who are in grocery stores like accosting people and I'm not even saying those shouldn't be shared what i'm kind of thinking about is like oftentimes nowadays people get really called out for stuff that might have even happened like 10 years ago and i'm i'm still for holding people responsible and accountable and having them have to own up for doing and saying stupid things but i also think back on myself and how much more educated i've become over the last 10 years like that's a lot of time my parents have changed so much like when i came out as gay my parents had a fully different set of beliefs than they do now i think about how who gay people are what they deserve what whatever because believe. they were called out by your existence by you having to go up and talk to them and right be like, I but have a should boyfriend. they be called out today is what i'm at saying because some people are getting called out today for things that they actually don't stand for anymore i do okay so this is what i would say i actually think they should i think it's important for if we use your parents as an example for them to acknowledge that they maybe were homophobic and had homophobic thoughts before they had a gay son i think if we don't all learn to accept that we exist in a culture where we've been raised to be homophobic and racist and view white people as superior then there's no way that we can move forward. And that's why I think calling what frustrates me about trying to be too sensitive about these things is that it's true. Like when you call people out right now, I really think people are being called out for very truthful things. And if we can't acknowledge that we were the way that we were, and if someone calls me out for something I did in the past, then I need to be like, yeah, you're right. That was a racist thing that I said, because at that time I was racist because I was raised to feel that way as was everyone else. And if we do not acknowledge that, then we can't move forward because we can't keep making excuses for people when it's actually the system that exists. And I, I think the best way to actually start to come to terms with this and not be so defensive is to accept that, yeah, like we all live within these structures that that inform the way that we view the world. And we all, I am homophobic. I am because of the way that I've been raised. Internalized homophobia is a huge part of being gay. And if you can't talk about that and admit and be vulnerable around those things, then you're just going to continue to be ignorant and continue but isn't to there perpetuate a lot, Like it. that's kind of also like, I guess there's a fine... There's maybe not even a fine line. It's a blurred line between what is calling out versus blurred what line. Is wow, that's out. a really interesting song to have brought up right now. <laughs> okay, because quite frankly, call that okay, out. Okay, okay, okay. Um, no, I just mean like, because to me, like, if you're able to talk rationally and reasonably with someone and say the things that you're saying right now, that's almost a call in for me. Like, let's actually have a real conversation around addressing these things as as opposed and saying like, look, we can we all 
kind of come to an agreement that we live in a society that promotes and perpetuates all these thoughts. But and they're not. You're a part they're not going to listen to that. They're going to. I'm but saying. They might, what if versus they you just saying you're homophobic and you're an asshole and there's nothing that can be done about that, okay, right? Like, you're right. I, I don't think calling think that- in is the part that comes after the call out. Like you call someone out for their mistake, but then you try to call them in to literally teach them like what would be more appropriate. And I just wanted to bring up one example of a man named Daryl Davis, who is a black man who has sat with hundreds of KKK members, Ku Klux Klan members, and converted them to leave the Ku Klux Klan. He has 200 robes that they give him every time he's able to like kind of convert someone that he's collected. And he says it's just, he wasn't trying to convert them. He just wanted to sit down with people and understand their perspective and have them see him as a human. See, oh God, that may, I'm like, that is so exhausting to me to think. Right, why is that his job, right? Think about, that like think about that like obviously he must be the most patient the most empathetic the amount of energy and work that he has had to do to even sit in front of someone who's from the kkk i'm like how can that be how like how have we gotten this far that that has to be an option i i agree i think that what he does is amazing and those people maybe need to be called in but i don't know i think maybe calling people out on a larger scale will hopefully like minimize that like even existence of the kkk well, has it worked? Like the KKK still exists, you know? I guess it exists regardless of both methods. I think but. we live in such a tumultuous time. You're so right. And I think that like, yeah, we can acutely be aware of this as a time when people are being called out. But I actually think going back to Barack Obama and the famous quote that you brought up that I know I brought to you from the New Yorker article that I was obsessed with reading. He was like, I need to try and steer a ship. If you steer a ship 90 degrees, even 45 degrees, it tips. You need to always be thinking of a ship as something that needs to be slowly turned left or turned right or whatever. And I think we are only here for 80 years and we're in an acute part of history where all of this calling out and all this damage and even this tension is going to result in us progressing forward, even though it might be at the sacrifice of right now, there being a lot of tension. I know within our friends, I always have been the person who calls people out. I always, I went to a teacher's college that taught me about how to do this properly and to kind of like literally no holds bar call people out. I've been doing it to you and with but our I friends. Think, and it can work, but sometimes it, it does push people away. But don't you think away. over time it's worked better than me not calling people out? Well, it's just hard to parse that apart. I do think it's worked. Like I've definitely seen over time our friend groups have progressed, but I also think that's part and parcel of like society progressing as well, right? So you having a great influence on your friends is one major factor and also the fact that they're going to see all of society kind but of I going like, s- oh yes, like we should support these issues that maybe five years ago we didn't even think about. But they were like, when I, my point is that like when I I've just seen the visceral reaction in the moment from you sometimes like, you know, calling people out, like who are friends. Because they've said and- something that if there was someone in the room who wasn't our group of friends, which is like, you know, a homogenous group within the queer community, that there's no one there to defend. But what you would said. educate them. You're not. You're not just calling them out. You're well, not just saying you th- you're an asshole. You're not just saying you're homophobic. You're not just saying you're racist. No, you're I don't think you should say that. But that's I I'd think say what, what calling out is, racist. right? Sorry, what you but, said was homophobic. But you often will explain it, and I think to me that's calling him when you, you try to break down for someone. like, Because like, there's many things that I'm ignorant of too, right? Like, There's plenty of issues in this world that I get to walk through life and don't have to think about. And sometimes- But if you are called out, but you would, I would listen. I would, but I would listen more if someone called me out followed by a call in. Do you know what I mean? Like, that was shitty what you just did. And like, here's why. So I do maybe think, coming okay. from a position of privilege, you're, you're kind of blind to things sometimes. Okay. I and, think, yeah, you're right. I think what I'm trying to say is that I, 
this is interesting and i think what's happening is our conversation is meshing yeah, like and like yeah. creating a like point which i think is that i think you should never allow something that you feel to be oppressive go unnoticed and mm-hmm. i think that's something that people need to know that when you hear someone say something, whether it's a joke, whether it's something that you think is inappropriate, and you have that kind of feeling in your stomach, you need to say something. And if you don't, that's a missed opportunity and you are in the wrong. That's what I would say. And how you say that, I agree, should be mixed with the call in. So you need to plan ahead. You need to make sure as white men, it's, well, I guess you're not fully white. We did 23 me. Sorry. <laughs> as someone who's 99.9% Northwestern European, that's myself, um, very white. It is up to me to educate myself, to spend more time than other people, to learn so that I can call people out effectively. And you're right. In order to, you need to know a lot so you don't just say, I think it's not a smart thing to say that person is racist. It's really smart to say what you just said is racist and mm-hmm. here is why. And if that is calling in per se, then I think, yes, you need to call people out with calling in tactics. Right. And I think my point is that I want people listening to know that if they ever feel like someone has said something that has irked them or that they think they should have called them out and they didn't, it's you were wrong and you should have called them out if you want to be a positive aspect of of member of society. And it hurts and it's awkward. And I know this with my friends. There was a tumultuous time where I was feeling like people around me were not... I was scared. I was like, if you continue to act like this, I can't be your friend. And I was maybe being quite forceful, but I'm looking back and I'm realizing like, a strong remembrance for me is sometimes you would argue with me about things. And then if I got, say, examples, like we go to your house and something's brought up, I would hear you sort of mimicking what I'd said to you. And it's almost mm-hmm. like I think of calling out as like marinating. Like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I, it's just like you get visceral reaction, you get defensive. I think that's it, true. I think it, there's something to... bleeds I, in. I don't have this fact verified. I've just heard Bill Nye say it. So like I, we maybe can look into this, but it was something like it takes people a year or two to really come around to a new idea. So if you have never thought about like queer rights before and suddenly you feel like they're being shoved down your throat, it might take you a few years to actually finally sort of like let that marinate and then go, okay, I actually am starting to, I was able to slowly tear down my walls of like the, the guard that I had up of just like fighting Mm -hmm. people when they told me I was wrong to finally seeing like, Oh, this is just reality. Like gay people and queer people exist. And now I can start to see it from a different perspective. And I think like it's all so intertwined and it's so funny. Sorry. sorry. I just say, I just think like a big part that's sort of being missed is like the compassionate part. There are people who are super bad people and there's really ignorant people, but like, and they're doing the damage. I know, but we have been ignorant people in many ways. I think everyone has. And I think that's just like an important step sometimes to take. And I'm not trying to defend people and I don't want this to come off the wrong way because there are lots of people who are just shitty. But there are plenty of people who are good people and want to know how to be better people in then, a world that's changing really fast. And that is when I think it's so important that we embrace vulnerability and embrace mistakes. And I think a lot of this is rooted in this like visceral reaction to being like it's almost like i wish people could accept being called out better you know what mm-hmm. i mean like you're right it's frustrating to me because i'm like if someone tells me i'm doing something wrong my my instinct now is like oh my god you yourself, i want to though. know you've what trained it yourself is. how to go you don't get angry like they're they're saying it for a reason i know and i guess i just sometimes it frustrates me because i'm like Are we really going to sacrifice, in my opinion, people dying, people like if you look at America right now, the people who 
are being oppressed, it's so obviously wrong that are we going to sacrifice that just because some people are literally like unable to handle it? And again, it goes back like I could start. But <laughs> sometimes it's not uh, like some issues like you could get in a debate about like pro-choice versus tro- pro-life. Like who, where where does this fall there? You know, like sometimes there's things that just seem so obvious, but then other arguments are a little more nuanced and then no one thinks the other side is right. You know, like there are arguments where it's like, yeah, no one could convince me it's okay to be transphobic. No one can convince me it's okay to be racist. But there are some some debate points that maybe I'd go like, okay, I see that there's different perspectives on this and there's no one answer. And people are fighting for different things in this argument. Right. Like, I don't know. It's hard. Like, I don't know. It's so hard. It's so hard. What we're saying applies to some situations and not others. And that's when I think it's like. I think that allowing to remind people to see each other as people because we're living in such a time where it's so easy to be like, I hate conservative people. That's like what I've, I'm being reinforced day in and day out. And I think conservative people are being reinforced like liberals are ruining this world. And I think that's only getting worse. And it, we have to just kind of stop and remember like, yeah, there's bad people, but like a big average amount of us are like just trying to figure out what life is. And I think that's where I'm getting to my point, where it's that big average amount. I think it's that that is where people need to be called out in order to move things forward. And I think when we look at the world right now, the people who are suffering, literally, physically, if you think about violence, the people who are actually having to suffer are the ones who are who need, we need to be calling people out to defend for. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm like, I don't actually care about a conservative person maybe getting so mad about me calling them out and not being able to handle it right now because they're not the people who are actually suffering suffering yeah no i I just think when i when i look and i zoom out and even when i talk to people who are really conservative in the times that i've had to do it i always find that's an important thing i go Mm. who is dying you're right and that's something i think we both should like why don't you care about other people Right, well, like stop. Not nec- I don't think Some, that. Sometimes that's the issue. Like even when it comes to like public services, right? But like they, libraries. They, they but oh, you say like, right, why? Yeah. Why do you want to stop all these things that are helping like people taxing, who need help? Like literally, like being like yeah. a fiscally conservative person. Yeah, mm. like tax goes to people who aren't as yes. But I also even mean just like statistically in general, like even just as simply as who is dying. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like so, mm-hmm. th- sometimes those types of things. It's like yeah, that's why we need to call people out because in the end, we're defending the people who. As I said earlier, to try and bring it back to an anecdote about me, anytime I've been had homophobic slurs or had anything happen to me, I've actually physically been silent because I, I it overcomes you in a way that I can't describe. And maybe mm-hmm. some people can't relate to that. I'm sure everyone can. Even if you're a straight white guy, you've probably been bullied mm-hmm. and gone, uh, 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 and that's the feeling that everyone gets, that if you don't, as a person in power, as a person who's calm in those moments, don't say anything, then I think you are a huge part of the problem. Yeah. I think, I think we agree in general. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I definitely agree. Calling out is an important thing and just like checking it every now and then. Are we calling out because we want to be right? Or are we calling out because we actually want the world to be better? Yeah. Okay. This is a, well, this is a good conversation. I feel like we could do this one every single time. And yeah, I think, honestly, honestly, just for people out there, wh- like, Literally. Okay. Use the hashtag side note podcast. Tell us what you think, Mm -hmm. because I think there's so much that conversation around this that we can have. You're like calling out, like call out culture is a word Mm -hmm. that people use now. 
And it's really interesting because I think a lot of people are probably screaming right now at me thinking, how could you ever say call out culture? But likewise, I think the other side could be screaming at me and saying like, yeah, but stop defending people who are shitty. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I keep going. Like, I'm not defending them, but I am in oh, some ways. This is right? fascinating because I it's love hard, how there's yeah. like, there's just not. Oh, there's not an answer and I, I'm so excited to be dead in the ground and I don't believe in an afterlife but I'm curious Wait, about what? I'm just like what is it going to be like in 200 years like what is going to be the result of this of like all of, this, of all of this yeah. time this turmoil this feeling that we're feeling right now like mm-hmm. I genuinely think I'm a cynical person but with idealistic ideas and I think it will actually be a good For thing the in the end that's oh, the only actually, way I get through no, the day, girl. We're just gonna end up banging robots. That's the whole. Other. Robots are gonna take <laughs> over. That's the other thing. We're we're not gonna matter because literally robots are gonna control. Yeah, they're our... gonna be like, oh yeah, that's a whole other. Yeah, thing. Yeah, the that... microchip in our head is gonna be like, oh, you're a liberal and yeah. you're just gonna die. <laughs> like, and I know I you know. better than you know yourself. Yeah. Okay, tell us what you think. Calling out or calling in or some variation of those things. What do you like doing? What do you think's the right thing for the future and for getting Please keep this conversation going online. Like, I just want to type with people now and like, I'm so curious. Yeah. Like, we will for sure read some of these comments. I think because this, this is like a really controversial but also Next educational week, topic. Mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we'll like read some of your comments on the okay. podcast so we can give more perspective than just our own two who are just two guys who are gay, who are mostly white. I mean, I'm not all white as Greg <laughs> 64% over no, the... 60, honey. <laughs> Um, So yeah, no, it'd be nice to hear some other perspectives uh, And we appreciate you guys listening Thanks for listening Hashtag Side Note Podcast Or you can follow us at Mitchell Moffat Al Whale Watch Me PLZ At Owl Whale At Whale Watch Me PLZ Just pick a new handle I need to change my handle But I can't because I love it I think this was a longer episode than normal So thank you if you stuck around I'm literally sweating Okay Alright, we'll see you guys next week Bye If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.